0: Everybody, welcome to Twig Thirty Nine. Today we are here with myself, uh, just Kim, Eric, Kress, and Adam Tolfer. Unfortunately, we are without Mishka this week as he is off, leading his jet set life off in Spain or or some, somewhere like that uh, on vacation. But yeah, guys, what what, what are you guys up to? I, I know Eric, you're in a particularly good mood today. What what's going on? <laughs>
1: These are the times that my job is relatively easy because it's tracking a lot of things, talking to people and other stuff. But when you're wrong on something, (laughs) I have to eat shit sometimes. (laughs) So this whole Apex thing is not looking so good. EA stock is down 10%. Clients are calling, kind of PO'd, um, but ultimately it's just not doing what I expected it to do. And I have to eat crow and, and figure out how to I guess the reasons why I was wrong, I suppose, but um, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, other than that, you know, all is good. I can't I can't complain, um, but just don't like getting anger calls from my clients in London over the weekend. But um, anyway.
0: <laughs> Adam, what's going on with you?
2: <laughs> it didn't have quite as um, <laughs> crazy of a weekend. Uh, yeah, we had the earthquake here, which was definitely interesting for me. That's my my first here on the West Coast. And um, besides that, um, got back into Apex Legends, and that was a, a good weekend, and uh, I've actually been touring around Southern California, so it's been quite nice.
0: Nice. Oh, and just to give an overview in terms of the articles that we'll cover today, so we're going to first start with an article about Google Stadia. Google Stadia's only exclusive game, guilt does not appear to be a studio exclusive, and that's by the Sixth Axis. The second article we'll cover is about uh, Auto Chess and Tencent's take on Auto Chess called Chess Rush. Uh, And this is an article by Pocket Gamer. The third article that we're going to cover is not necessarily an article, but it is from the Supercell website on Pass Royale and the launch of uh, the Battle Pass for Clash Royale. And finally, we will end with Tencent's answer to Diablo Immortal bond in China, and that is an article by the publication known as Abacus. So, uh, I, I, before we jump into the articles, Adam, did you have uh, did, did you have a few comments?
2: Yeah, I guess um, just kind of leading in from what Eric was speaking about um, the the news about Apex Season Two, which of course we've all been following quite closely. Um, so I guess just to give some context, um, so Apex Season 2 launched earlier this week or last week um, and jumped from about 15K viewers to about 45K viewers now, um, which is roughly on the same amount as kind of late March, early April of this year. Um, but that was just a peak and that's actually been dropping um, since then. So it's it's really important to see how they sustain and if they can sustain it at a higher baseline than they, what they had before. Um, but overall, as I said, I've been playing the game over the weekend. I'm actually very impressed with what they've done um, since I played it last in terms of their focus on competitive framework. So despite, I think, the, the dropping numbers and not hitting Eric's expectations, um, I think it's actually done a really good job in terms of its competitive framework and its focus on cosmetics. Um, so if you are a developer working in that type of space, I would definitely take a look at the game and see what they've improved. Um, but yeah, I'll pass it to Eric because I'm sure he's got a lot more <laughs> heated uh, comments. <laughs> no, no. I mean, at the end of the day,
1: I'm just not looking too smart here. I mean, that's fundamentally what it is all about. My expectations, basically that they would match revenue from season one. And it looks pretty clear that they're not going to be able to achieve that, right? And my guess here is that the active players likely converted, uh, but they didn't bring as many people back uh, to the game to convert as well. So I don't know. Uh, I'm a little bit worried here. So, but... You know, Jeff Cohen, our analyst at large, uh, wrote a note uh, about, uh, you know, the Twitch viewership may not be the be-all, end-all stat here, that you should maybe look at the number of channels, which is more of an indicator of activity um, and interest, and then also the number of Reddit posts, which have both been a lot higher than the Twitch viewership would indicate. So give Jeff a little shout out for that. Um, I mean, I don't have any real numbers here, but I think it just seems clear that the activity is a lot lower. The other thing that I'm a bit wondering is why is they didn't do as much marketing. I think they did have shroud do some, uh, paid, um, streaming, but you know, there wasn't as much of a marketing push and I'm wondering if they're waiting to the, for the game or for the next couple of weeks outside of the you know, July 4th holiday, um, or, you know, they just have other plans going forward. Or it's more of a slower burn. Um, but I don't know. You know. There's also a lot of activities on Overwatch and Counter-Strike and GTA over the weekend and over the, the July 4th week. So perhaps maybe it'll improve. But my guess is basically this will probably likely be down You know, 20%, you know, 30%, maybe even 40% from last uh, season, which is just not where I expected them to be. Now, having said all that, I think ultimately my thesis on EA doesn't really hinge upon this necessarily, it just limits the upside for EA, but the EA stock is down 10%, right? And people are freaking the freak out, right? So, you know, I have to figure out, um, you know, what it all means, I suppose, and i continue to talk to people and see what happens, see what's going on over there. But anyway, that's kind of where I'm at with this. Cool. Should we jump into the first article? Sure. Google Stadia. <laughs> Our favorite. Um, so basically, the article is kind of about this game, Guilt, which uh, is from Tequila Works. And they've done some actually really cool like indie uh, games. This one's kind of more like a dark adventure style game. And um, as, when it was announced, it was basically going to be exclusive, or it was announced as an exclusive on Stadia's platform. But basically, in an interview, they asked the head of the studio you know, whether it'll come to other platforms. And he basically said, no comment, right? The implication being mean if, the, if if it was an exclusive, he just would say it's an exclusive, right? But instead, it's likely a timed exclusive, right? Which is kind of the implication of the whole thing. And so kind of a big blow again to a platform without any real major exclusives. Um, so from his perspective, it doesn't make sense to make this thing an exclusive, right? You know, Google could write him a huge check and maybe that makes sense financially, but you want the game out as many platforms to ma- as many players as possible, right? To expand your brand, expand your 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 reach, right? So if they'd done it with Sony, if he had done an exclusive with like Sony or Microsoft, that makes sense because they have that kind of reach. Um, but Microsoft and Sony are, are rarely doing that these days. But again, I, I don't want to be a broken record here. You know, without a significant exclusives that take advantage of Google Stadia's platform, the chances of this thing being successful are just... You know nil right and they have no exclusives (laughs) so they they have nothing that is particularly geared towards their platform you know like like if they had something like if so we were talking about this earlier like um you know if they had like something like Roblox like a, a, an application like Roblox that that had the tools and technologies for other people to create things and it all lived in the cloud and it took advantage of this infrastructure and was something that you know everyone could like tr- try and get excited about that's what sells platforms right it's not creating another distribution mechanism and i don't want to relive this whole argument or more and more and more, more over and over and over again it's kind of annoying but at the end of the day they don't have that and they won't have that and my, my thinking here is that, like, they don't have much of a runway here. I mean, I think if they don't get much traction next year um, and by next holiday, I think this thing is over, you know? Um, but, you know, who knows? Uh, I don't, you know, maybe they will start making the big investments in studios that makes compelling content. But right now, it just looks like it's going to be DOA, right? And I, I, don't, I don't really see how they can pull
2: themselves out of this. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, I'm not going to add too much just because I think we've covered this enough times about subscriptions, and about Google Stadia's pricing, and about just the platform. Um, yeah, I think we covered this around the E3 time frame, around its pricing, and about including Destiny Two and with its with its launch package, with its own ecosystem, not cross saving, not pulling players into a, the same ecosystem as PlayStation or PC. But it, all the all the points in which I was kind of using as defense or kind of saying, thinking that this would be the path that it would grow within. Um, it just seems like they've closed the door on that. And I've actually been looking quite hard for positive press around Stadia. <laughs> and it's, it's been really, really difficult. I haven't really seen much uh, from consumers or industry folk. Um, there's plenty of, of examples of people just ripping into the, the software, just completely um, not sold that it's going to work. And I think if there's any sort of technical hiccup, At launch, Um, this is really destined to fail, which is sad to see, Uh, just because I think everybody's waiting and seeing what happens with things like latency, because they've really been opaque about that. Um, And if there is any issues with latency, then you know that people are just going to jump to the other platforms. But as Eric said previously, and as, as we've said many times before in the podcast, it absolutely needs exclusive titles. And I think going a little bit deeper on that Roblox direction, it's just about building games internally or acquiring studios that can build repeatable engagement that work best on this subscription model, right? Say are weak or or wouldn't go free to play Um, because if they could then they may as well have just gone free to play across every single platform. Um, but can actually drive the streaming and YouTube features that they've been talking about are inherently multiplayer, like a pers- um, uh, a world that players can actually play through um, and actually taps into say the younger audience that cares about this kind of streaming and the multiplayer and things. Um, and let say latency wouldn't be a problem, at least for those early launches. So on top of roadblocks, I would probably be looking at the genre of say, Minecraft arc in Terraria, this type of thing, where it's building a pervasive world. Um, uh, among a, a large multiplayer. And I think even in the case of ARK and Terraria, I'm pretty sure those are independent studios. They could pick them up, um, at least working with them to build what their next game could be. Um, but yeah, overall this is this is not good. And I think they, they need to, to work towards getting these exclusives so this becomes the the place to go to to build worlds. Um but yeah, JK, I'll hand it off to you.
0: Yeah. So before I jump into my thoughts on Stadia, one thing we haven't talked about before is the name. And and am I the only one that thinks that the name Stadia is a little bit weird? So for me, it kind of sounds like the name of an artificial sweetener or, or maybe some kind of drug you see on TV, you know, like Warning if taking Stadia results in dizziness and constipation over seven days, please consult your doctor. I mean, it's just, to me, it's just like a really kind of weird name, but anyway, so more, (laughs) more more seriously though, with with respect to the current state of Stadia, I, I definitely have to agree with you guys. This is not great news. Like the only potential exclusive, although not really an exclusive is an indie horror game that can't appeal to a broad audience. It's, yeah, I, I I've, I've got to agree with Eric that uh, you know this is not enough to help Stadia succeed, and I'm gonna go ahead and 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 say that you know on this current path, I, I I think Stadia is done unless Google management takes us more seriously, and for me, it's really sad too because if you think about all the time, effort, and energy the product managers the product managers and engineers put put into what amounts to an incredibly impressive technical challenge. So from my perspective, engineering and product did their part, but unfortunately, management and the business side of Google is not delivering and not giving Stadia a chance. And so I don't know, are are we alone in thinking this? Well, one of the things that I also did is I, I looked at some of the comments from the article and I just wanted to uh, quote a couple of them. Uh, the first is by uh, uh, someone who calls themselves Kip Dynamite who wrote Somehow my interest in Stadia is less than zero. So that's a pretty <laughs> bold statement. And then Radical Mave writes, it seems to me that Google are not taking this seriously They don't seem to want to put all of their money to work. Everything I hear about Stadia just puts me off more and more. The fact that it's going to cost so much for the controller that to play games that you bought for full price, you can only do so by paying the monthly su- subscription and to top it all off, now the one exclusive they have is time. Now, I-, I think there's a little bit of confusion in terms of some of the comments, but you can generally see that it's kind of negative.
2: Yeah. Uh, um, and one thing on this this last comment, um, I-, I think Google has to do some work in terms of their PR to straighten a lot of these things out because that that's actually false. Um, so the one thing to keep in mind is that the Stadia controller is not needed to actually play these games. You can use your Xbox controller, PlayStation 4 controller. Right. Um, that probably won't happen until next year. Uh, that won't be the launch window, um, but that's not true. Uh, as well as the any game can be purchased for $60 and then can be played in perpetuity in the free tier um so it's not as if you pay a game for 60 bucks and then you have to pay $10 a month. The $10 a month actually only buys you the 4K streaming option. Um so yeah, personally I'm not really defending that kind of pricing scheme. <laughs> but yeah, there, right. there definitely is a lot of misinformation going out about pl- um players being confused about what they're paying for and what they're getting. Right. So
0: In summary, I think this is extremely bad news and as I've quoted Roger McNamee from Elevation Partners a bunch of times already, you know, he stated between the content and the audience, everything in between is a choice. Google just doesn't get this. And so unless there is a major shift by management or new management leadership on Stadia, I I, I think this is uh, basically game over, unfortunately. Okay, so moving on to potentially more positive news, uh, we are now going to be talking about chess, chess Rush, which is Tencent's take on auto chess, which is launched on iOS and Android. And so, you know, everyone seems to be launching an auto chess based game. I mean, it's not as bad as Match 3, but it's sort of moving in that direction. And currently there are, in my view, four primary contenders. Uh, number one, Teamfight Tactics from Riot, which exists as a game mode in League of Legends. Uh, this is a PC game, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit before, and the Twitch numbers are, you know, it's, 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 it's you know, uh, definitely been super, super successful. Number two is Dota Underlords from Valve, which is also a, a PC SKU. Uh, third is, um, Dredo's, uh, original, uh, uh so, so Dredo, the original Dota 2 mod company has a mobile version of the game called Auto Chess, and we'll be launching a PC version of the game, uh, exclusive to Epic Game Store later this year. And now we have, as per this article, number four is Tencent's take on Auto Chess, and, and you can never really count out Tencent on anything, and it's one of the first mobile skews out, so it definitely has a good shot. And from the article, it seems that Tencent has actually tried to do the most to adapt the game to mobile in that there is a turbo mode where matches are much faster and shorter. So games will last like 10 minutes instead of over 40. Um, And they also have included a co-op 2v2 mode, taking a page out of what's been working for Clash Royale. And my own take on this is to try and think about the PC and and mobile market separately. And on the PC side, for right now, I think TFT and Riot have a lock on the PC market. I believe everyone else is on the outside looking in. Uh, Riot did an incredible job getting this game out fast and the execution was pretty ridiculous. I've heard dev time on this was actually three months from start to finish. Chess has already become pretty well known. All the streamers and influencers are already talking about it. So there's there's already sort of built-in advantage right now. And it's kind of hard to say how well Dota Underlords will do over time, but the current Twitch stats are not super encouraging. So it's looking like at least from current trends, It'll be probably distant number two, but you know, probably pretty successful, at least from um, an, an audience perspective. On the mobile side, I do believe Tencent will get a major share in China just because they are optimi- optimizing the gameplay better than Jodo for mobile, and because Tencent just basically owns China and they can push anything they want to. Uh, in addition to that, Jodo just does not seem to be executing very well or seem like they even care about the Western market as anyone who's played uh, auto chess from, from Johto on a mobile can see that the voiceover is actually in, in, in Chinese. And so it's like, what the fuck? you know? It, it, I, it really just doesn't seem like they're really thinking about the Western market very much. And I'm also going to go ahead and make a prediction here. I actually predict Riot will move pretty fast and do a mobile version of Teamfight Tactics. Uh, I believe they were surprised by the success of TFT and they will be going all in on what they believe could be a huge opportunity for them, not only for PC, but but also as an opportunity for them to finally get a foothold into mobile. And just to be clear, I don't have inside information, this is just my own speculation of putting myself into the shoes of Riot execs and looking at their history and thinking what they would likely be thinking. Um, I also believe that someone could actually research this and find out if I'm right or not, because Riot is generally a very player-centric organization, meaning they likely wouldn't launch anything without player feedback. So I bet if they are launching something for mobile, they must have asked for player testing uh, however they do that. So someone in our audience could probably figure this out and confirm. Uh, but going back to Tencent, um, Tencent has historically struggled in the West. Uh, Drodo doesn't seem like they care about the Western markets. I think Valve is not really focused on mobile and their legacy suggests they don't have strong incentives to push to mobile. I also think they don't have, um, you know, they haven't been showing great execution Overall, uh, just looking at Steam, which leaves right with a huge incentive to get a mobile product out, and they've got every built-in advantage you could have to be successful on mobile if they execute this right. So that's my take, Eric.
1: Yeah, I, I don't got much to add here. Um, it seems like this is a total arms race, right? People are just shoveling out games as fast as possible to get the ca- capture market share. Yeah, I think you know, to some degree, it's all bad news for Hearthstone because I think it kind of fulfills that same itch. To some degree but hearthstone's actually done quite well in the last couple of weeks so i don't know um but none of the games seem to be monetizing well you know I don't, I don't know exactly what their monetization scheme is i thought it would be more like clash royale but it doesn't seem to be that way at all um and it seems like they're all focused on cosmetics which makes little sense for this type of game to me but I, I'll, I'll i'll defer to adam on this one because um He's much smarter
2: than I am on this sort of thing. What do you think, Adam? (laughs) Uh, That's arguable, but yes. Um, Yeah, so on the auto chess stuff, uh, I've been looking at a little bit about the monetization, and it is interesting that it is all just cosmetics. So when you say 1.4 mil on 9 million downloads, uh, that's not too surprising. It's just cosmetics, but also this core gameplay is not built around visibility of cosmetics. Um, it's, it's playing chess and everybody has their own board and only goes to one-on-one battles um, every every so often in certain rounds. Um, so comparing this to Dota, comparing this to Apex Legends, um, there's a lot more visibility in those games given towards your cosmetics. So there's definitely a lot more that they need to do if they want to be selling cosmetics as the core option. Um because even if, if they start adding, say, battle passes, loot boxes, events that are actually giving out these cosmetics, these are only valuable, these are only working if the cosmetics underlying them are actually valuable to players. And I think they will struggle to, for that. Um, I, I think the baseline for this in terms of cosmetic revenue will be lower than something like Dota. Um, so then it, it opens up the question about what else could they be monetizing on? And I think the big one here um, that's player friendly would be, say, strategic options, uh, which is what if what if they actually started selling other characters, other heroes that you could put on your board? Uh, and the big question for me from playing is, is it just as sticky if everyone has a different deck that they're bringing into this game? Um, just because I think part of the appeal is, is that the, the competitive playground is completely fair and everybody has the exact same deck of heroes that they're pulling from. Um, so my question then really is more about who will actually bring this out first. I think uh, League and Dota, um, as well as Tencent now are going for land grab of players first. No one's gonna be monetizing. They wanna make sure that they get the biggest audience, establish it and then start monetizing. Um, This could actually be brought up by someone like a Supercell or someone outside of these three um, that um, say can pull on a different audience. And then it comes to how would you actually monetize these strategic options? Um, two obvious examples of this are either the Hearthstone model, where you got card packs, um, so then you actually have no leveling of 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 those heroes, just rarity. Um, but this tends towards a content treadmill, as you can see from Hearthstone, constantly having to cycle cards and having to be very dependent on launching new expansions of cards. Or you go towards that Clash Royale system, as Eric mentions, which uh, has actual upgrades for those cards. Uh, Duplicates give you upgrades. This is much more pay to win. Um, You can still have things like tournament modes that keep things fair, but um, the regular play is a bit more pay to win. Uh, But overall, you as a team will not need to produce nearly as much content. Uh, Clash Royale gets away with a lot less cards than Hearthstone. Um, So those are kind of two different paths, and I think most likely it'll be more of a hertz zone pack uh, path, but still that won't monetize quite as well.
0: Hey Adam, let me ask you about a potential third option. What what would you think if someone tried to do more of the eight ball pool like betting model?
2: Yeah, no, that that would be like if it's straight up everything is fair eight yeah. ball pool. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely, and I think golf clash and eight ball pool have both proven that has worked. Um, it doesn't drive as much revenue as, say, like full um, strategic options, but is it's definitely another path uh, to keep it fair. Um, it just borderlines on a bit more gambling stuff. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I, I think moving on in terms of Supercell and Blizzard, like if we're, if we're speculating about what these guys are going to be doing, um, Supercell, I would definitely say, needs to be taking a look at their Clash Royale game and seeing if they can create a short session length auto chess style game in terms of taking Clash Royale, but actually, say, modifying who you're playing against, um, building out a larger mode that that feeds into this auto chess itch. Uh, because notably, a lot of the Supercell streamers, um, things like Nick at Night, are actually getting paid to showcase Chess Rush, because I think uh, Tencent sees the potential of actually pulling a lot of the audience actually from Clash Royale, not just from Hearthstone. Um, and as uh, J.K. mentioned, I think Western Mobile actually can still be won. Um, Riot can still come in and uh, employ a great tactic and actually use a lot of their leverage to get into the space. But Supercell, of course, can always uh, surprise us all and win Western Mobile by going to a, a different audience than that league audience. Um, and there could be, say, these both Riot and Supercell uh, working in the West, and I would probably put my bet on Supercell. Um, to be number one overall, but still both being successful. Um, And then, of course, back to Blizzard. um, Then what type of approach do they make if the PC and mobile, both West and Asia, are both captured? Um, Do they go with that Heroes of the Storm type of approach again? Um, Can you differentiate enough while keeping that formula actually working? And I think those are the big, big questions. Blizzard's definitely on the back foot.
0: Cool. Should we move on to Pass Royale, Adam?
2: Sure. Yeah. So um, more of a public service announcement. Uh, Clash Royale uh, just launched their version of the battle pass. So Pass Royale Season 1 uh, just launched last week uh, in which they it's, it's a, basically a battle pass system which replaces the crown chest system. So each time you play a round just as before you were earning crowns, uh, those crowns actually now earn you tiers in the battle pass. Each tier, at least in the free tier, actually includes those crown chests as well as additional rewards if you've got the premium track. So that includes things like very unique cosmetics, like a replacing all your towers with shark tanks, which actually looks kind of cool, and uh, as well as things like chest upgrades, cards, gems, etc, et etc. Cetera, et cetera. Um, and they've opted at least for this season for about 35 tiers within that roughly one month season for about $5. So following actually pretty closely to their clash of clans battle pass, uh, which I think in around E3, um, we, we discussed actually quite in detail, um, at the product manager meetup. Um, but yeah, like in terms of analyzing the impact of this battle pass overall, it's actually very, very well designed and I. I anticipated to do quite well. Um, the premium added, added benefits in terms of just not only giving a significant amount of rewards for the $5, um, they also give benefits such as being able to queue up an additional chest in your chest slots, which of course is a massive benefit that hasn't been given out before, um, as well as unlimited re-entries and continues for those special challenges, which again is a massive benefit. Uh, myself as a player of those challenges definitely means that um, any sort of gems or any sort of additional engagement that I would have gotten from um, those special challenges kind of goes down. Um, so there is some, um, there's some, still some argument here about how much they're kind of inflating um, their chest currencies. Uh, but I think um, we'll, we'll see as we watch the app any results. Um, interesting here too, um, same thing with Clash of Clans. They're not opting for subscription payments, um, which I would actually have suspected they would have done. Uh, You're only able to directly purchase them each season, uh, which to me feels odd. I think there's an obvious opportunity to actually bring this into a full subscription. Um, But I think overall, this kind of points everyone in mobile towards this trend of adding a battle pass uh, outside of just the battle royale genre. Um, Thinking if you're in match three, if you're in 4X, how can you actually add a battle pass kind of component um, effectively? And I think when you look at something like Clash of Clans and AFK Arena, you can actually see a couple of good examples of games doing this. So in the case of Clash of Clans, uh, you can actually see some massive revenue spikes monthly um, based on this battle pass, although it's a bit hard to see uh, typically because they actually have these clan games going on a month to month cycle. Um, but Clash of Clans also has a very uh, interesting design of their battle pass, which I would take a look at. Uh, AFK Arena um, also has a battle pass, but it actually functions a lot different um, than Clash, uh, Clash Royale or Clans. It actually starts eight days after the player installs and only happens once. Um, so in terms of a one-off event where the players can actually grind for a lot of currency, uh, pay for a lot of currency. Um, there's some actually some interesting designs there. So um, a little bit of a softer touch battle pass, uh, because actually I wouldn't get too excited here in terms of battle pass. I wouldn't just start throwing battle passes into every mobile game you can. Um, this is mostly an effort of conversion and retention. It's actually not all about revenue. Um, so some, some numbers here, um, Typically, like Clash Royale and Clash of Clans, you can actually look at the revenue curves. Typically, revenue spikes very, very early in a battle pass. Uh, And this is very similar to the pattern in PUBG or Dota. Um, So don't expect the spike that's currently happening in Clash Royale to sustain. Um, Also, in the case of Clash Royale, they're going for a very low amount of tiers, just 35. Um, This means that they're actually going much more for conversion than actually a grind for those tiers. Um, So something like like Dota actually has thousands of tiers. Um, So I would actually treat this more as say annuities or subscription diamonds feature, which is a trade-off for your economy for retention, trade-off for monetization for retention. So I think if you're serious about Battle Pass on an ongoing basis, make sure you're really analyzing which currencies are going into that Battle Pass and treat it as an event, a monthly event or, or however long your Battle Pass is in terms of actually managing those wallet sizes of those key currencies over the course of those battle paths. so make sure you've got enough sinks within your currency, within your your game loops as well as events to actually pull out some of that currencies. Um, just because I think this will not work for everyone, so. Um, deeper economies are definitely going to work a lot better for games that have, say, a really deep upgrade curve with tons and tons of different units to, to collect and upgrade. But it's not going to work so well for games such as like Match 3, which have a bit more of a shallow economy. Um, so if you start in, inflating the amount of boosts everybody has, um, then you're actually decreasing the engagement you're getting. Um, but that, those are just my thoughts. Uh, JK? Wow. Hold on a minute. I'm, I feel like I, I'm in
1: school again. Like, I'm listening to a professor. <laughs> well, the professor
0: actually has a presentation. For <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so for, for those of you out there, I would highly recommend you get a hold of Adam's presentation on Battle Pass. It's uh, really good good stuff. So,
1: um, Yeah, take me to school, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> this old dog needs some new, some new tricks.
0: Yeah. So, my my take on this is that I, I, like Adam, really like the implementation of Season Pass on Clash Royale. It's Really good and a a smart feature. Also, just to give a rough anecdotal data point on conversion. And so clearly this is not scientific, but just kind of looking at my Facebook friends, I've got 63 Facebook friends that play Clash Royale with more than, let's say, 3,000 trophies. And of those, 12 have converted to Pass Royale, or 19% of the likely active players from my friends group, which I think is pretty high and pretty good. And you can also generally tell how much a dev team cares about a feature by looking at the UI treatment. And so if you look at Clash Royale and the UI treatment of uh, their past Royale in the game, um, it's the way that it's surfaced and integrated within the UI, you can tell that they actually really care a lot. So clearly, you know, past Royale was given extremely favorable UI treatment, which I take to mean that they really, really, really care about the feature, they're betting big on the feature. So um, you can see in terms of the UI, it's not only on the home screen, but to the point where every time you open a chest, they make the actual pass rail button more prominent and bigger than the actual unlock button. So they are making the pass rail CTA confusingly prominent. And so, you know, they they really care a lot. And so overall, my take on Pass Royale is that it will do pretty well, but I also think that the actual performance of the feature is also kind of blunted by the economy, economy design and by what, in my opinion, was kind of a big mistake by Supercell. So this is just my personal opinion, but I do believe the introduction of trade tokens really unbalanced the economy. So, for example, I'm level 11 at about 5,000 trophies or so, but I regularly battle level 10s with max units. And I see so many level 13 max units by you know, level uh, 10s and above that I think the depth of economy and upgradability due to trade tokens really blunts the desire to want to upgrade to a past Royale. Uh, The other impact is it also now puts Clash Royale on a developer side upgrade treadmill leading to a much faster pressure to increase trophy caps in the game, which has already accelerated since since trade tokens. But, um, you know, so in my opinion, for a fundamentally pay to win game, I don't believe that the other cosmetic benefits from Pass Royale will provide more than incremental incentive to purchase. And so really, it goes back to the point that Adam made, you need a deep economy, especially if you're creating a Pass Royale or a, a pay-to-win free play game. And, um, and so really what I'm, what I'm saying here is that in terms of the impact of trade tokens to Pass Royale is that, you know, um, if I have a strong desire to continue to upgrade my units, then I also have a desire to convert to Pass Royale and it would be a lot higher, but because of trade tokens and because now so many units are max level, that, that incentive just isn't there. And so it's like if I were to allow direct character purchase in a gotcha monetization-based game. Anyway, so long story short, I think that if Supercell had not launched trade tokens and, and uh, this instead, I do think that Pass Royale would have done a lot better. But I do understand that it feels like the team probably felt a lot of pressure to see how they can drive revenue and so launch trade tokens as an attempt to do so. And also as, as just another reason for creating more uh, reasons to have social interactions and in, in chat in, 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 the, in your alliance. Uh, so anyway, I do think long story short that this is a great execution of the Battle Pass feature for a free to play game that uh, you know the, the, the team there did a great job. And I believe it's going to be a success a great success But just think that the overall performance would have been uh, you know higher with greater upgrade depth All right,
1: man, you guys are freaking Clash Royale dorks. <laughs> <laughs> I Mean Jesus how deep can you go on this thing, right? Anyway, I uh, I'm gonna take a, keep it high level I think all these subscription things are good um, I think making since uh, using these models makes a lot of sense, particularly I guess with m- more mature games that have established audiences, um, and not many, not too sure how this could actually fit with other games, but um, definitely, definitely gets interesting. The only risk I see perhaps is that you get less spend from the whales if the season pass is 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 you know sufficient for their needs. Um, but the goal I would imagine is to have a higher conversion. Of these battle passes and more sustainable and predictable revenue, which investors absolutely love. So maybe you can sacrifice some of the whale revenue for more of a predictable, sustainable uh, revenue stream. So I, you know, I look forward to see what how others, you know, other games start to implement this model. And now maybe I think thinking about actually trying out Clash Royale because I have played it for like you know a few days (laughs) and never played it again. Seems awesome. (laughs) <laughs> All right, the next story we're talking about is um this uh 10 cents answer to Diablo. Um I honestly don't know as much about the development of this particular game, but you know, Diablo is being developed by uh NetEase, right? Um uh, and and a team in at NetEase, and evidently 10 Cent came out with this game called Raziel, R A Z I E L. Um the production value is super high, very similar to what Diablo looks like. Um, but folks are basically complaining about, you know, the, too much pay to win, the loot, dra- loot drop rates terrible, um, and and just overall unhappy with the game. And so far, the performance has been pretty terrible, right? So, like, two point eight million downloads on, with seven million of revenue, and it's early, I suppose. Um, but I don't think these games do particularly well in in China anyway. You know, these games are kind of geared towards. It's Japan and South South Korea, so like things like Lineage and the, and Blade and Soul and those type of games are just killing it out there. Um, I haven't seen these games really do particularly well in China. I could be wrong on this, but the, this is from looking at it like last year. Um, it just kind of looked that way. Um, and then I'm also concerned now. The fact that this title bombed in China does not really indicate whether or not you know Diablo can be successful in the U.S. and Europe. But in the U.S. and Europe, as I said before in podcasts. Primarily RPGs with collectible mechanics are the ones that do very well things like um, Star world galaxy of heroes and Marvel strike force those games would have a single player um, Gameplay where you're just basically upgrading your characters just haven't really done. Well, like lineage 2 is a kind of a disaster in the US um, in particular, so anyway, I continue to have my doubts about whether Diablo can break through um, and and that's kind of my my lens on this thing. And now that this kind of Diablo lookalike did not do as well in China, that kind of makes it even more unlikely that it'll do well in China. But we will see about that. Uh, I'm far more bullish on Diablo in China than I am about Diablo in um, in the US and Europe. But what do you guys think?
2: Yeah, um, I would just say from the, the title of the article, I think it's a bit premature. Um, But yeah, in terms of the actual revenue numbers, it sounds like it's not off to a great start. Um, I think it's likely that they're just going to be tuning that end game economy and trying to win some of those players back um, and grow over time. So this is definitely not a launch and forget type of model. This is much more of a slow and grow uh, type of game. So I I would doubt it if Tencent really kind of abandons it this early. Um, But yeah, in terms of this genre, kind of mixing between this Raziel game and Diablo Immortal, um, this is an incredibly difficult genre to figure out, um, especially for those endgame economies about trying to keep players engaged between your major content drops. It's notoriously difficult to tune. just think about all those WoW expansions, just think about what Division's going through right now, uh, Destiny 2, et cetera, um, because all that balancing about how to keep engagement up is based on estimated patterns of um, the engagement of your top players and building features that are, say, flexible enough to kind of take both high engaged players like crazy amount of hours i think some of the comments in this article we're talking about 16 hours a day of somebody grinding some of these games um, as well as some of the lower engaged players and keeping them retained um, but still even just coming away from the end game tuning difficulty and getting more into how do you monetize these games it's very very difficult um, even when you've got an ip like diablo actually especially because you've got an ip like diablo Um, Because you can't really lean on any sort of pay to win or pay for progress types of models, like as you were talking about Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes and Marvel Strike Force. They were, while leveraging some IP, they were seen as a whole separate game universe and could actually do things like gotcha and pay to win and pay for progress. Um, But then when you get into Diablo, you can't really do that. Um, And I think it actually also goes down right into that core gameplay of Diablo. I think everybody kind of looks back on Diablo with kind of rosy glasses and assumes that Diablo is this perfect game. But in this day and age, when we're trying to build really, really long term retention games, Diablo is actually really not best in class. Uh, The core gameplay just can't be varied enough. If you think about it, just tap, tap, tapping to get rid of the same types of enemies, abilities. And you can see it from Diablo 3. they've really tried to stretch it as far as they can to keep as many varied enemy types and abilities to keep it interesting, but it's, it's very, very difficult when you're just kind of this top-down RPG. Um, it's actually much easier when you get into games like Destiny and Division to create variants through your core gameplay. Um, And as we've talked about before, it just can't compete with gacha-based CCRPG games in terms of monetization and depth of the economy. Especially when you get into this single character thing versus multi-character, when you're only upgrading one dude from Diablo. um, That that means you have to have a lot more gear slots and have a lot more depth within them. Um, And as well, Diablo's core systems need a lot more depth. Um, read actually variants with with how it drops loot and how you collect loot and how you get to that end game. Um, and I think if, if I was at Blizzard or I was at Tencent and I was looking at this genre, um, especially for the West, uh, just because I'm not going to be able to add too much about how to penetrate Asia um, in terms of how to bring this to the West and how to monetize to the West, I would be looking at games like Warframe and Path of Exile um, about how to kind of manage that consumer trust, um, where you actually look at those games and how they build them up, um, how the actual core gameplay and core content is all basically procedural, um, as well as they've got some very smart pay or play mechanisms for all content, nothing is kind of locked. Um, but overall, this is very much a Western focus. It would definitely not be competitive in China. So for the East, I think Tencent knows how to build these types of games. Um, you look at something like Maple Story, right? Um, They have to build this into a full-fledged MMO with full social graph and everything. And I think that's going to take some time. JK? To to be clear, though, like
1: I guess that's the big point for me for China is that the MMO-style games have done really well, but Diablo, by its definition, is not an MMO, right? I guess it can be converted to an MMO, MMO, but it's not, right? There is Mm -hmm. no social graph. There's no... Um, grouping up etc. But if
2: but if something like QQ speed could be turned into an MMO right like Mario Kart turned into an MMO right where where right. actually the core gameplay there is actually not that varied and probably wouldn't survive on its own but because they have that crazy MMO framework around it uh, it can actually sustain um, so that's where I'm like okay if you could probably marry the two and make this work. All right got it it makes sense.
0: Is it Mario or is it Mario? <laughs> Do you Do you say, is it like a like
2: Canadian accent it. or something? Mario, Mario,
0: know, <laughs> anyway, I don't have much to add here, just a couple of points. First, you know, for Chinese to be saying that, you know, that a game is you know is excessively pay-to-win, that 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 indicates some probably pretty big problems for the Western market. But it's also to your point, Adam, it's hard to draw any real conclusions here because the, the, the people who were interviewed. <laughs> About the game and complaining about the game are the same ones who are playing for 8 to 16 hours a day <laughs> so <it's> like, what? <laughs> um, And just to provide a little bit more context so TapTap is china's largest game rating site And raziel actually got a 4.1 out of 10. So pretty low rating and then uh, Just to give a comparable context that the, the net diablo game is, is rated at 6.5. So um, it does seem that, from a ratings perspective, although you know I'm not that familiar with TapTap, it does seem pretty bad um, and likely to, as, as as to the points that both Adam and Eric have stated, probably not going to be well received in the West. I think in Asia, uh, you know, Lineage has kind of proven an existing uh, monetization model and business model that's uh, that has been successful. In worst case, I think that 10 cent. Could just clone one of those existing models, but um, yeah, that's basically. Yeah, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Those are the only only points that I have. And right. so with that, I think we're all done in terms of our articles, unless there's any remaining last comments or or points. Eric Adam?
1: No, I'm good. Everyone, get out there and buy the season pass for Apex. <laughs> <laughs> Show, show EA some love. All right. Sounds good, guys. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.